Merry Christmas. It's good to see you guys here. Uh, thankful that we get to be here together on this day, again, recognizing the Lord's birth. And as we get started, I wanted to share a few things as we are concluding our Advent conspiracy. This is actually our fourth and final time of the Advent conspiracy. For those of you who are here the first time, what we've done is said, okay, let's make this Advent season, this time where we recognize the birth of Jesus, let's try and make it something that actually is about worshiping. Worship is to give worth to something. How can we give worth to who Jesus is and what he has done? It's not by going to the mall and shopping. It's not by, you know, trying to get the best deal, go in debt. We wanted to bring back a a more substantial reason for the season. And so what we said is, what if we can make this about Jesus again and allow our lives to be that of worship and giving worth to him? How are we going to do that? Well, we decided, what if we spend less? Not stop spending. We weren't going to become Scrooges and not, no more Christmas kids, here's an apple kind of a thing, you know. But what if we just bought one less gift or spent a little bit less than we normally do? What if we gave more? You say, how can you spend less and give more? That's a contradiction. Well, only in our consumeristic society. What if instead of buying a gift, you, you made gifts? What if you baked cookies? My wife has baked tons of cookies. Um, and I've had to eat most of them because, you know, if they break or the frosting isn't right, she's like a cookie perfectionist. You know, oh no, this one's bad. Oh yeah, it's bad, hon. Bring it here. Yeah. I'll take it off your hands, you know. But what if we make cards, if we give time, if we give relationally and not just monetarily? What if we spend time with family and those people who we love and are important to us? What if we actually want to bring that kind of relational aspect back? You know, when God gave to us his son, he he didn't give just a gift. He gave of himself. What if we were to do the same thing so that it became a little bit more personal? And then also we said, what if we loved all? What if we took the money that we saved by not spending as much and instead gave it to those who really did have a need, even as the youth did with their ding-dong ditch kind of a thing, uh, but left ham. Uh, Can you imagine, what? (laughs) Someone just ding-dong ditches and left a ham? What's this? Merry Christmas. That's how we do it here. But we've decided to show our love by giving. We adopted 41 kids who were a part of the Healthy Start program with the school district. We purposefully sought out those kids who were in financial straits and wanted to help them and their families with Christmas. And so a number of you adopted those kids, bought gifts, and then some of you took the gifts to the kids. And I've heard some neat stories about what has happened. I I know one of the gentlemen here went down to the skateboard shop, and he had this, the age was a boy, and he thought it'd be so cool to get him a skateboard. But there was this price range that we were trying to keep it in so, you know, that one kid didn't get, you know, an Xbox and the other kid got a yo-yo. You know, we wanted to try and keep it so that it was consistent. And so he had this price budget that he was staying in, and he thought, well, I'd like to get the kid a skateboard, but 
ah, it's too much money. And so we went to the local skate shop and the guy said, can I help you? And he says, well, I'm trying to get a skateboard, but this is the situation, helping this family out. And the guy says, hang on. He went back and he put together a deck for the guy and he says, here you go. This is for them. Merry Christmas. You know, and so he's excited. You know, the guy at the skate shop is contributing as well, which was the whole purpose, which was our whole purpose is to, to bring back a sense of giving worth to who Jesus is, what he was for, and it's not just about the money. And so he was excited. Uh, Ted went to give out one of the gifts. And as Ted went to the home, he started talking and he found out that it was a single mom, had two kids, and one of the kids had special needs. Well, Ted's daughter has special needs. And so, well, my daughter, the kid knew his daughter. In fact, Ted showed a picture of Shannon and his daughter. and goes, yeah, this is my daughter. And the kid got all excited. I know her. I went to school with her. Yeah, but, you know, what are the odds that, you know, of all the families that we would collect, that we'd give this to Ted, that Ted would go down and meet this person, and he was able to talk with that woman, encourage her, give her the gifts for her kids. And so that's what we wanted to do is give of ourselves to love people with the things that we have Instead of just buying, buying with a purpose. Another thing that we've been doing is we've been collecting money for Haiti. We're going to Haiti in February. I almost said January. It scared myself. But we're going in February. And so what we've done is we've thrown out to you, let's collect money with the purpose of giving towards the St. Andres School in Haiti. When we go there in February, we can give it to Jeannot, and he can help with the building of the latrine and the building of the kitchen for that school. And you guys have responded and have donated $2,200 for the kitchen and for the latrine in Haiti. And so when I go out there, we'll have a picture of me with the check so you can know this is this me giving the... I'll do one of those things. But this is why we are trying to, to love all. This is what the Advent Conspiracy is about. This is our first year stepping out into this, but it's our trying to bring worth to who Jesus is and the things that we do. And so if you still would like to con contribute towards Haiti, just mark that on your envelope or your check, and that will go towards the St. Andre School in Haiti when we go in February. And this is our conclusion of the Advent series. As we celebrate the season when Jesus came and we have the lights and we have all those things, we're, we're excited about this time, but we, we definitely want it to be a time that's rich in meaning. And so I, I hope it is that for us as well. And so if you have a Bible, open it to Luke chapter 2. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Do we have the Bibles? Do we unload them? I don't know if we did. I think we did. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and Alex will get that to you. And let's read this story. It's a story you might be familiar with if you watch Charlie Brown Christmas, because Linus recites this portion, and so part of it will sound familiar. Starting in, in verse 1, chapter 2, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. 
He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the high, in highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Have you ever been unaware of something that's taking place? There, there's more going on in a situation than you're aware of. I remember when Karina and I were dating. She was throwing a surprise party for me, but I was oblivious to it. I, I didn't know what she was doing. I just thought she was being distant. I actually thought she was going to break up with me. And so I was getting all attitude -y, you know, I was being all pouty. Okay, yeah, I didn't love her anyway. You know, I, and I was thinking, you know, okay, she's probably going to, you know, she's just been distant. She's kind of been standoffish. And so we were supposed to go out somewhere and I was having some car trouble back then and thinking, okay, yeah, we're going to go out, but I don't know what's going on. She seems kind of strange. Just not aware that the whole time she was planning a surprise party for me. So I walk into the house, and surprise, all my friends are there. There she is, all smiling, looking beautiful. And I was like, I feel like such a jerk. I, I did not know this was going on. You were making plans for me, and here I thought you were just trying to not see me anymore. And at that time, you were really trying to do something for me. He's just oblivious. Well, there's more going on in this situation than, than meets the eye. We, we see this, but it really... If we weren't so aware of the situation, it would seem pretty typical. I mean, the first verses in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Can you find a more mundane sentence? I mean, so what? If we didn't know the story, this would play into just, okay, 
This is just another oppressive government trying to rule over the people, pushing them so they can collect more taxes. This is the man getting us down. It doesn't care if you've lost a job. It doesn't care your situation. They're forcing you to go back to your town so that they can tax you. Don't care if your wife's pregnant. They just want the money. It just seems so mundane, so typical. And, and then all the people who are here, the, the, the characters of this story, and just the whole Advent story, shepherds were not respected people. Shepherds could not testify in the Jewish court. They could not partake of some of the religious rituals because they were considered unclean. They, they weren't the kind of people you would invite to your party. They smell. They hung out with sheep and stuff. And so we see just kind of this pushing to the ordinary, this whole story. We talked about the Magi last week and how here were these foreigners, these astrologers, people who you would not bring into this story of the birth of the Messiah. It seems so uncanny. You've got an unwed teenage girl. All the characters seem so natural, so ordinary. And then you've got the location. Bethlehem was not a hot spot. Bethlehem would be kind of like Roundup, Montana, you never heard of it? I know. I had to look it up. I thought, what's a small place? In Roundup, Montana, there's like a thousand people. Bethlehem wasn't your Mecca. It wasn't where people would go. It wasn't New York. It wasn't Los Angeles. This isn't where CNN went to, to talk to people. Occupy Bethlehem. It just wasn't happening. It was off the map. And then you've got a stable. You know, we call it a manger. And we've made this so nice. You know, we, we've, we've got a manger scene on maybe our mantle somewhere, and it's got cotton. I guarantee you there was no cotton there in the stable. And shepherds got a serious upgrade. Before this, there were no shepherds on mantles anywhere. We, you know, to make this realistic, we should have scratch-and-sniff mangers to give you an idea of what's really taking place. Because sheep look nice from a distance. Horses in a stable smell like horses in a stable. And everything about this scenario is just pushing this to the common, pushing this story to the ordinary. It's not the extravagant. When they showed up, Jesus did not glow. I know we sang there beams of radiance shone from his face in the song, but that didn't happen. They didn't go and say, hey, where's that child? Oh, just follow the glow. There he is. Oh, there he is glowing. It, it wasn't like that. He was in a feeding trough. It was very raw. It was very natural. 
And as it, it's described here, even in verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. That's a nice way of saying it. I see kids here. Some of you ladies know what that means. The time came for the baby to be born. It means labor. You know, this isn't just, oh, the baby's born. The time came, okay, the baby's born. (laughs) This is labor in a stable. And the whole scenario here, you know, all that we attribute to this sacred moment were everyday, common, nitty-gritty things that if you were there, you would not be aware that something supernatural is taking place, something spectacular is happening. Everything around you seems ordinary. Everything around you is just reminding you of how ordinary this is. It's uncanny that we would find this situation that we celebrate here and to see how it actually takes place. And I think sometimes we are just unaware of just how what seems so ordinary in our own lives, what seems just like I'm almost afraid my life has no special purpose. I, I feel like my life sometimes just gets lost into the mad rush of everything around me. And if you, you feel that way, you need to know that that's exactly the situation that was taking place. We went out shopping the other day to, to get some last-minute groceries. And, and, you know, you go out shopping on Christmas Eve, it's like, what are you thinking? And so you pull into the, you know, parking lot of... Grocery King or whatever that new store is there on the Indian Hill that has real good prices. And everyone's there. And, and, you know, Corrine and I had this kind of match, tag team match. Okay, I'll drive up to the door, drop you off, and then I'll circle the wagons, you know, and and find a place. And because there's, you know, where are you going to find parking? It's like two miles away. You know, everyone's there shopping. You know, and if you get a parking place, Praise the Lord, you know, I, God gave me a, oh, you know, light shines down. But you would think if anyone deserved a parking place, it would be Joseph and Mary. It, you know, you would expect that when they would show up at the inn, that they would say, huh, we just had a cancellation. The honeymoon suite has opened up and it's at a discounted rate. You would think that would happen. I mean, come on. I am pregnant with the Son of God. I've traveled on a donkey over these miles. Joseph, if it wasn't for that dream, I wouldn't be here at all. We show up and they say, there's no room, but there's a stable. And and I know we've glorified this idea of the stable, but a stable's a stable. There's nothing here that seems special. And yet, in this moment of just ordinary natural, the supernatural is taking place. Something 
that they cannot imagine is happening. And so we see that God is stepping into the the common, the ordinary, the simple. And what makes this Advent story extraordinary is his presence in the midst of it. Not the greatness of the people, the characters there, not the greatness of the location, but what God is doing in the ordinary, what God is doing just there among the people, how he is taking these shepherds, these social outcasts, and he is given them this angelic message, how he has called these magi who are looking for the wrong gods and they find the true God, how he uses a carpenter who is now going to be the mentor of the Son of God, how he has a teenage girl who is going to raise and care for the Son of God. The extraordinary happening in the middle of the ordinary. And they didn't know it was there. Those around them, unless the angels appeared, unless they followed and found out what was going on, it was just another day. But God was doing something supernatural. Now, there were supernatural things happening. In verse 9, we see that the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I love that. They're terrified. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Whenever you see angels show up, they always say, don't be afraid. I think that's so cool. If you walked in a room and had to say, hey, don't be afraid. It's just me. <laughs> I just think that'd be the coolest thing. <gasps> don't be afraid. <laughs> but they, they have this supernatural event because it is a supernatural event. But what's interesting here is... As it goes on in verse 11, it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. What will be the sign? Angels? That's a sign? No, here's the sign. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Whoa. That's the sign? And then it goes on and says that all of a sudden this great company of heavenly hosts appear, these angels. And the angels are not the sign. You see, I think many times we are looking for the sign in the spectacular. But the, the sign was that this baby was born. Wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger, that is the sign. seems so normal. That, that just seems so ordinary. And, and it seems so strange that God would choose this to be a sign, that he would choose Bethlehem, that he would choose shepherds, that he would choose the, the magi, that he would choose this scenario. It just seems not like us. We would do this different. There would be lightning. There would be thunder. There'd be even a volcano, maybe, because why not? You know, I mean, just there'd be fireworks. There would be press. But he shows up as a baby. Now, that blows my mind. To think of God coming down and becoming a baby. I have a hard time seeing God in a baby. You see, I, I can see... 
I can see Jesus as God when he is risen from the dead. I can see Jesus as God when he's walking on water, when he's feeding 5,000 with just a few fish, when he is healing the lame, the blind, the lepers. I, I see that. When he goes before a tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth, I can see God there. But I don't see God as the baby. Do you? Here's the problem I have. This is where my mind just blows a fuse. God is entrusting himself to a teenage girl and a carpenter. Soon after this event, they were going to encounter the Magi and have to run for their lives to Egypt. And God is entrusting himself to these two people. And that's just mind-blowing. And what I wonder, and what, what has captured my just thoughts here in this story, this season, is can God entrust himself to me? You see, God is wanting to entrust himself to these Normal, simple people. And I wondered, can God entrust himself to me? Can the spectacular take place in my life through me? Or am I thinking, no, it has to be someone else. It has to be some religious Expert. It has to be some scholar. It has to be some mogul that has a lot of money. It has to be, it has to be these things because that's how God should be moving. But here we see the simple, the ordinary, the poor, and we see God entrusting himself to those. And I wonder if God isn't entrusting himself to us. Would you be trustworthy? Are you trustworthy of this message of the truth of who Christ is? Are you able to take that and use it for, for good purpose? It's uncanny that God would give all he is into the care of these people. And what moves me about the Christmas story isn't the miraculous. It's not the angels. It's not the star. It's not the virgin birth. Those things are, are, are there for a reason and they're spectacular, no doubt. But what moves me is the ordinary. How real how raw it is. When our children were born, I got to be in the delivery room. There was a day when that didn't used to have to happen. But I got to be in the delivery room. And I remember just how 
incredible that moment was, seeing the birth of our children. When the twins were born first, they did a cesarean. That was a trip. I had to stand there in the corner and look, you know, make sure I didn't step on the air hoses and stuff like that. And they do the little, you know, stuff and they put it and they do the incision and then they pull out this baby. And we knew we were having twins. And so they pulled one out. I was like, oh my gosh, there's another one in there. (laughs) And they seemed so big to be in there. I thought, wow, the other one's going to be tiny. It's going to be like this big. (laughs) But they were both the same size. And there was just this blood and there was this placenta, this, this afterbirth stuff. And it was just so gross in so many ways. But it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. It was spectacular, but it was so common. So ordinary. And I had this overwhelming sense that these are now my children and I'm now responsible for them. And the idea that God would say, I am going to give you charge of my son to raise him to care for him and he will care for you. The miraculous happening in the ordinary. God entrusting himself to people like you and me. And you see, I think God is still wanting to entrust himself to us. I I think this whole season is about that, that Jesus has come and he's come for you. He's come for me. If you find yourself being an outcast, a social outcast, then guess what? You fit right in with the story. If you find yourself, I'm not in with the crowd. I don't belong to this religious group. I've been out worshiping astrology and those things. Guess what? He's come for you. You belong to him. I'm I'm impoverished. I don't have any place to stay. I don't even have enough money for a house. Guess what? He's come for you. This is your story. And is he entrusting himself to you because this is where his home is. And people just like you, just like me. And we have the opportunity to respond in this way. The best chance to experience His divinity maybe just happens in what is naturally taking place and how we live our lives. And that's what this whole Advent has been. You know, Jesus said, by this all men will know you are my disciples by your love one for another. And as we show his love in the things that we do, he's seen. His character is seen. His heart is seen, is demonstrated. And we get to be a part of that. And what a a magnificent thing that we can celebrate the birth of the Son of God and we can honor Him in the lives that we live. That He can entrust Himself to us to live out as He would want us to. I pray that this Christmas is an opportunity for you to be entrusted with the Son of God. That His love, His mercy, His grace would be upon your life and that you would welcome him and all that he stands for and and that we would honor him 
in how we live and what we do, that we would give him worth. That's what worship means. And this would be a time where we can enjoy the blessings of God in the ordinary, in the difficulties, in the financial struggles, in all those things that we go through. I pray you guys have a blessed Christmas. Let's pray. Father, I am, again, just overwhelmed with the amazing taking place in the natural, the miraculous being among us in ways that just seem so ordinary. And I pray that you would give us eyes to see that there is a lot taking place that we might not be aware of, that you are always at work, you are always doing the amazing, and we get to be a part of it. It might seem so mundane, it might seem so natural, but by our being entrusted with these truths, we can actually make a difference in the lives of those around us. And I thank you for this opportunity. May we understand that you came for us, Jesus. For those who seem marginalized, for those who don't seem to fit, you fit right in. You made your home in the mess of the stable of our lives and the, the, all the things that we are going through, all the filth that we find ourselves in so many times, you've come into just that place to help us in our time of need. Bless everyone's day, Lord. May we continue to ponder these things even as Mary did. May we just entertain these thoughts. What an amazing thing. How can this be? May you be honored in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.